Welcome to the Church Brand Guide Podcast. This is Michael Persaud. I'm glad you're here to join us on the podcast. We have a great topic today we're going to be covering here in just a moment with our special guest, Adam. And um, Adam is an expert from, on marketing. He's from Fort Myers, Florida, and has been working on staff as the marketing uh, director down at uh, Life Church down in Fort Myers, Florida. So we're going to unpack some really practical ideas on how to market your church. You, you won't want to miss it, and it's just very practical. I love how Adam just brings a very uh, real uh, approach to um, the theories that we talk about quite a bit uh, when it comes to marketing or branding. Um, so before we get there, I want to tell you about Church uh, Marketing University. This is a program, it's a, it's a course that we uh, have been a part of in the past and are a part of right now. And the big idea is that it's a, it's a system that has been produced to allow churches to learn marketing techniques, uh, the best techniques that are out there today, including social media, uh, website, your branding. Uh, there's a module on photography and videos. In fact, I'm looking at the uh, the modules right now, and there's just a bunch of different topics that are just extremely important for churches to understand. Um, it covers marketing management. How do you schedule things out and get things on, on board for uh, months to come? Um, launching. How do you launch a big event? It talks through big events and, and the best practices on, on promoting those events. There's a module on video and how to create videos and tell great stories. Um, so there's uh, probably five to ten videos per module, and there's 18 modules in this course. This is a guide from top to bottom to help you as a church to market yourself and um, market the church well in the community. So it's, it's meant to serve pastors by equipping your staff, your team, so that they can then take this information and apply it. So whether it's one person or multiple people on a staff, this is a great, great resource to help your church market better and have all the latest and greatest marketing uh, tactics and learn how to do them, the ins and outs, the how-tos, the checklists of how to do them. And there's even some download documents that um, allow you to execute. Uh, maybe there's some questionnaires, different things to help you just learn the material and then execute it. Uh, there's a whole module on emails. There's a question and answer module where you can um, ask a question to our experts and the experts will reply and let you know what they think um, to your direct marketing question. The email one, I, I kind of glossed over it, but that's a really big tool that churches need to be using in order to communicate on a regular basis. Um, so there's a definite way to do that and a way not to do it um, where people res will respond to your emails when you send those out. So there's a whole module dedicated to email. There's a module dedicated to search engine optimization. So you probably heard about that, may, may or may not know the ins and outs of how to do that. But this breaks it down completely to where you can learn what it is and then how to do it, how to actually make your website search engine optimized so people in your community can find you. There's a module on reviews, talking about how to incorporate reviews into your marketing system. And uh, it just it's super helpful. There's some templates that you can download in, in that particular module that will help you um, have the right questions to ask at the right times. So again, Church Marketing University is open only for a limited period of time. We have an affiliate link on our website, churchbrandguide.com, where you can click on that link and get signed up for uh, Church Marketing University. So I want to highly encourage you to check that out and make it a part of your church team instead of going maybe to a conference this year. Maybe think about how to getting this, uh, this resource and really getting good at marketing within your church. So let's get to the interview with Adam LaGlotlin from uh, Fort Myers, Florida, in, um, and he's with Life Church down there doing an amazing job. This large church is, is really doing an amazing job of reaching people in that community. And a lot of it is a result of what Adam talks about. So let's get right to the interview with Adam. Welcome to the Church Brand Guide podcast. I'm here with Adam. And Adam, how do you say your last name? I wanted to make sure I get that right on the podcast. <laughs> it's Adam McLaughlin. McLaughlin. Okay. That's right. Okay, thanks for joining us. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. Hey, I'm so happy to be here with you. Well, we connected uh, just a little bit ago, and um, you've written this book. It's uh, you know just about uh, church marketing, and you have a blog as well. So why don't you introduce yourself to the audience just a little bit? Tell them a little bit about you. Sure. Well, I oversee marketing and communications uh, at uh, Life Church in Fort Myers, Florida. I was born and raised in Canada. 
and uh, very excited to be in Florida and not having to deal with snow. But uh, of course, right now it's interesting because we're here in the summer and this is heat that, you know, I've never experienced before in my life. So, um, but uh, yeah, I, I oversee marketing and communications here at Life Church, and uh, absolutely love what I do and uh, very excited for uh, the what we're doing as a church and, and the growth that we're seeing. Yeah, that's great. We have uh, several people, uh, part of our audience is uh, people that are made up of um, maybe your freelance designers or marketing people, um, whether they're on staff or not, it's just kind of a mix. So how did you, um, I guess, come into the position that you're in right now with, uh, with, the, with the church? Yeah, so I was doing freelance. I was helping um, organizations with their online presence and, um, you know, doing website design, social media, consultations, that kind of fun stuff. And I uh, did some work with Life Church here. Uh, we met through a mutual connection. And uh, I met Pastor Ryan Deaton, who's the lead pastor here at Life Church through a mutual connection and um, started working with them. And they said, hey, look, we're, we're interested in, in bringing you on full time. And when they asked me, it was February in Canada. So they hit me in a weak spot. And I said, I can't wait. So so we made the move and we love it. Um, my wife is very happy to be here. We have three little boys, seven, four, and two years old. And they love being outside and going to the beach. And, you know, there's, there's, you know, there's nowhere better than the West Coast of Florida. Man, wow. So what part of Canada did you, were you from? Uh, we were like uh, straight north of Lake Erie, kind of halfway between Detroit and Buffalo, uh, just kind of the dead center of the Great Lakes. If you drew a line through all of them, you would kind of cross us right in the middle. So that's kind of where we were. Uh, actually, we have a, a guy on our team here, and we always we always joke because he grew up in Wisconsin. So we joke that uh, he grew up farther north than the Canadian did. Uh, which which always messes with people's perception of of Canada being the Great White North. So yeah, it's cool. We have a lot of fun here, and, and there's always Canadian jokes flying around. That's great. You know, we love uh, my family loves to come down to Florida quite a bit. Um, we're I'm out of Kansas City, which is in the middle of the country, and uh, we don't have oceans or anything, so we come down to Florida quite a bit um, as much as we can. Uh, one cool. of the things we like to do is just visit, um, you know, Disney and uh, um, even some uh, different uh, other types of resorts in that area. And me as a branding guide, I love to see how they do that, how they brand themselves and uh, put themselves out there in the public. Yeah, it really is incredible how a company can get you to drive half or fly halfway across the world to come to their location to buy a $3 can of soda. I mean, to me, that's just incredible marketing. That's awesome. Well, let's let's go right into the marketing thing. So let me ask you first, before we dive into it, um, you've got this ebook, and it's called uh, Trust Glue. And basically, right. it's a 11 ways to create a first impression that sticks. And this is really geared towards churches. Um, I think the big idea is that you're implementing a lot of this stuff in where you're at, and then you're just trying right. to provi- provide some ideas so that churches can um, can begin to do some of this same the same things that you're seeing results with. So let right. me ask you first: is is marketing um, is that a God thing? I mean, that's the big question in court, in church world. We find that as we as we uh, come across different people. But is that something that you think is a God idea? Sure. Well, uh, you know, one of the great questions that I always get when we're talking about target audience, which is you know, in my mind, kind of. Uh, one of the pivotal points of marketing. Uh, we talk about target audience and the church will say, well, my target audience is everybody. I mean, we want anybody to feel welcome at our church. And so um, I always shoot back. So who was Jesus's target audience? Because this is always an interesting question also. So it's interesting to see, well, you know, most people who haven't lived in this world will say, well, you know, Jesus came to die on the cross so that anybody could be saved. And the interesting thing is that when there was a Gentile woman who came to Jesus and wanted to be ministered to, he said, I'm not here for the Gentiles, I'm here for the Jews. So he was already getting to the point where he started to narrow down his target market. And he also talked a lot about children. So he said, let the little children come to me. So I might I might say that Jesus had a target audience that included 
you know, converting the Jews and maybe a focus on children. Now, um, you know, don't take this out of theological perspective because I really do believe that, you know, there's an opportunity for everybody to encounter God and, and, and get to know Jesus. And, um, but I think he understood if he made an impact on the Jews, if he made an impact on the nation of Israel, then they would go. That's why when he left, he said, go into all the world, you know, to the Jews and the Gentiles, to the corners of the earth. And so he knew who he was to reach in order to create a team of people who would then reach the other demographics. So I would say right from a biblical perspective in Jesus's life, he was clear about how he was going to reach his target audience and who his target audience was. And that's kind of the core of, of marketing. Man, that's really good. Uh, that target audience um, is a big, big idea that um, churches, if they understand it, it's such a powerful thing because you become really attractive to the people that you're good at reaching. And um, the, the reality is that that's attractive to a lot of other people outside of maybe your, your target audience. So I think it's, it's one yeah. of those things that's just a big, a really big idea for churches to get their heads wrapped around. Yeah, I mean, one of the most popular blog articles that we have on churchmarketingideas.com is the number one question you need to ask your leadership, and that is, who is our target audience? So when your leadership wants to talk about, you know, well, we want to be a church that welcomes everybody, I get that, and I appreciate that, and truly, it's admirable. That's not an ignorant statement. But the reality is, do you have anybody who drives more than four hours to get to your church on a Sunday morning? And if the answer is no, then do you have anybody who drives more than two hours to get to your church on a Sunday morning? And if the answer is no, do you have anybody who drives an hour to get to your church on a Sunday morning? And when the answer becomes yes, you've now at least narrowed down a geographical perspective of who your target audience is. So, so let's not put up, you know, we're in Fort Myers, we're not going to buy a billboard in Seattle. <laughs> There's really no reason to do that. You know, and so now if you plant that seed in your leadership's perspective, you know, okay, yeah, you're right. We're not geographically called to reach people who are more than a five hour drive away from us. Um, so, so what else could we narrow down? You know, well, at our church, we have a translation for, for people who speak Spanish, but we do not have a translation for people who speak Cantonese. So maybe our target demographic is not people who speak Tant Cantonese. You know, maybe our target demographic is not people who speak Swahili. Not that it couldn't be, not that it's wrong to be, but we start narrowing down who we're not, and that helps us start evaluate who we are. Very good. Yeah, it makes it so much easier. The, the evaluation of who you are, I think, is such a big key to becoming better and um, reaching more people. And that, that, the key to that is really identifying who you're trying to reach. That way you have a kind of something to measure against. So I love, right. and I I love the, how you put that. Yeah, and I think one of the things that often gets confused with target demographics is there's really two, way to two, two ways to establish who you want your, your target demographic to be. One way is to pick a demographic and cater to them. So this is like, you know, McDonald's in the past 20 years, they've tried everything on their menu. They've tried salads, they've tried pizza, they've tried subs, they've tried healthier choices, they've tried greasier choices. Um, so what they're doing is they're finding an audience, they're trying to find out what the audience wants, and they're trying to give it to them. So that's one way. The other way is to determine who you want to be. This would be like the Nike or the Apple and then let the audience decide if what you want to be resonates with them. So Nike is not walking around saying, you know, if we made a winter boot, I bet we could sell a lot more boots in Canada. No, they're saying, here's what we make. If you want to wear running shoes in Canada in January, go for it, <laughs> right? So not one is right or wrong, but it is part of the conversation that often gets confused. You know, which one of these things are we? Are we finding a demographic and reaching them? Or are we being who we're going to be and letting that demographic find out about us? Real good. Do you have any advice for a church? Like what's the best way to go about that? 
No, I wouldn't say that one's right or wrong. I wouldn't even say that one's better or not better. I would say that it really takes some exploration as far as who who has God called you to be. Um, you, you know, somebody who is going to plant a church probably leans more on the we're going to find out what the audience needs and provide that for them, right? So we planted a church in Peru. We're not going to be an English-speaking church in Peru, right? The demographic there, if we believe we're called to plant a church in Peru, the demographic there speaks Spanish. Just like we planted a church in Paris, we are not going to be an English-speaking church in Paris. We recognize that the demographic there speaks French. So we need to provide them a service in French. Um, so, so that is a perspective, um, but that doesn't change our core values, you know, who we really are. And that is that we honor the presence of God. And, you know, sometimes our services take two and a half hours because we're worshiping the whole time. And that's just who we are as a church. It doesn't resonate with everybody. Lots of people like to know when church starts and like to know when church finishes. And I, and I get that there are churches that uh, reach them in a really effective way. Not one right or wrong. It's just evaluating who you believe God wants you to be. Really good. We, uh, we work with churches to, divine, to design logos. Um, that's kind of the tipping point of any good brand. So one of the first questions that we ask is uh, along the same lines of what you're talking about. Do you want to represent who you are to them or do you want to reach them where they are? And really, that, that, there's not a right or wrong answer. We've seen it done effectively both ways. And uh, you just may lean a little bit one way or the other. And then that, that might even change over time as a church. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me, um, you've got a great definition, um, actually three definitions in your book. Um, can, you, can you just go through that with us um, about what branding is, what marketing is, and what advertising is? I think we get that mixed up quite a bit. Yeah, for sure. And this is kind of what started the whole contemplation about the, the concept of trust glue is, is how we define branding, marketing, and advertising. So, uh, you know, I'm not saying this is universally true. I'm saying when we use these three terms, we're talking about three different things. And uh, so branding is your core values. It's what you've discovered God wants you to be. It's your way of being God's expression on the earth, your church's way of being unique to your church. So often these come across as core values. So I would say that's the core of your branding. And then from there, marketing is how do you live out your branding? So if your branding is that we are interested in being the friendliest church, then maybe your marketing is that somebody opens the door when somebody walks in. Uh, when a visitor walks in, somebody greets new visitors, you have a reception for new visitors, somebody makes a follow-up call for new visitors, all the things that would give a clear indication that you want to be the friendliest church. Uh, you know, for Life Church, uh, we focus on our core value is the presence of God. So as I said, you know, an example for us is that sometimes our entire service is worship and sometimes service is, you know, we aim for between an hour and 40 and two hours. But sometimes it goes longer than that. I mean, the reality is that we're willing to take whatever time the people need to express themselves in worship. That's our core value. Whereas somebody who uh, has a core value of being a professional church may always have a start time and always have an end time. And they attract uh, a demographic who is interested in knowing exactly what time we start church and exactly what time we end church. So that's your marketing, how you live out your branding, how you live out your core values. And then advertising is simply externally letting people know what to anticipate when they come to your church, how to anticipate your marketing. So for instance, if your marketing is that we're, if your branding is that we're the, we're the friendliest church, then your marketing could be that, um, you know, the first Sunday of the month, you have a potluck after church where everybody builds relationships with each other and your advertising could be inviting people to the potluck. So that's how we would define, that's how we choose to define those three terms. Yeah, really good. And I, I think it's very um, good that churches understand the differences between the three. 
so that you can begin right. to focus on each of those things individually. So your book, it's called Trust Glue. Can you tell us the big idea behind uh, why you wrote the book? Yeah, so Trust Glue is uh, basically consistency builds trust. So if your branding and your marketing and your advertising all line up, then when somebody comes in, they see those things and they trust you. Okay, so for instance, McDonald's wants to have the cheapest burger on the market. Their marketing is that on their menu, they have a 99 cent burger. And when you walk into McDonald's, you can buy a 99 cent burger. It tastes like a burger, but it also tastes cheap. And you got exactly what you were expecting. So that's how McDonald's builds trust. Coca-Cola builds trust by having the same recipe for their, for their product for decades, you know, except for that little fiasco in the 80s where they tried to change Coke and now have gone back to Coke Classic. If you're not sure what that means, just check it out. It's, it's a story worth reading. But they've built trust because no matter where in the planet I go and I buy a can of Coke, it tastes like Coca-Cola. So trust, uh, trust is the glue that gives people confidence that uh, what you say you're going to do or who you say you're going to be is actually who you really are. And, um, you know, we've been working on this trust glue concept uh, over the last year. We've seen a 23% increase in attendance, a 30% increase in, in giving. We're about to renovate our building. We have a gymnasium on the one end of our building. We're about to renovate our building to put in a new auditorium that's going to hold 40% more seats than what we currently have. Um, and I believe it boils down to us being really clear about what is our branding, how do we live that out in our marketing, and clearly letting people know that through our advertising. That builds the trust glue that people want to stick around with. So in your book, I yeah. guess what I'm trying to get at is that you're, you're talking about like signage, bulletins, different things like that. Can you unpack some of it for us? Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, we out, I've outlined 11 ways in uh, our Trust Glue ebook, and it's free, by the way. So I'm sure your audience will click the link in the show notes and be able to download it. Um, one of the biggest ways that I find that people destroy the opportunity for Trust Glue is on their website and their social media. And the reason is because if somebody walks into your worship service, they get an idea right away about you know who you are and the kind of style of church you are and what your values are and 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 that's good but the reality is most people are checking out your website and your social media before they even come to the church and thanks to stock photo libraries you can really represent your church however you'd like to on your website whether that's accurately or not and so i use this example in the book um, uh, of a church website that has photos of young families uh, that are stock photos and also one time their building got rented out and they had a worship concert there so they used that video and put it on their website but in real life their church demographic is an older demographic who si who likes to sing lots of hymns and has really no correlation to the video that's on their website so they're hurting themselves in two ways the first way they're hurting themselves is that you could have a younger audience who sees the website, sees pictures of people they feel like they identify with, listens to a video of uh, worship that they feel they would enjoy, and they show up to church and the experience is nothing like it. So you've lost that person's trust. You've completely misrepresented yourself with your website. The flip side could be you have an older couple who just moved into town. Maybe they moved to, well, in Florida, they moved to retire. Um, or maybe somewhere else they moved in order to be next to their grandkids or whatever the case might be. And now they look at the website. Well, they might be looking for the church that focuses on singing hymns. They might be looking for a church with an older demographic that is going to enjoy the same activities they enjoy. But they see your website with young couples with children. They see a big, loud rock concert on your website. And now they're not even interested in visiting the church because of their impression of the church, even though they could be a really good fit. So out of the 11 ways, I feel like your, your website and your social media is a real way to create uh, an impression that is consistent with what somebody would experience at your church. And consistency is what builds trust. 
We uh, we build websites, and um, that's one of the things we always try to do with the website. I'm glad you um, brought it up. Is just be genuine in how we uh, present the church. One of the uh, one of the right. things we do is uh, try to get photography of the church, um, so that we avoid using stock photos as much as possible. Mainly for the reason you're talking about, just to be genuine. This is who we really are. This is the culture, the environment that we have. So I think that's extremely important. That as you're thinking about ways to market or advertise who you are you know photography is a very practical implementation you know get photos of who you really are the events and the culture right. that's one way to to help you do that yeah absolutely and so what we go through in the ebook is 11 ways before service starts <laughs> 11 opportunities that somebody has to interact with you in a way that could build trust yeah um I, and, and let me uh, let me do this i think with our audience this is such a great, great topic for our audience. Can I maybe mention a few key areas that are in the book? And then you give me, I know we don't have a lot of time. Uh, the book is free, like uh, Adam said. You can download it and get into the details of it. Adam, you even have like some different questionnaires to help guide people through this process. It's really a great yeah. resource. But I'll just mention cool. like one thing, and maybe you, you give me a key idea of what, what you would like to say about this one area. So like, let's, okay, cool. let's, let's talk about signage. What's the one big idea you want people to understand about that? Oh, signage gives an instant impression of what style of church you are. Uh, the, the color of your font, the style of your font, whether or not people when they walk through the front door can find their way around. You know, most people before service starts are at least some of the time going to use your restroom or they're going to drop their kids off. I mean, these are things that happen just before church starts. So if you don't have signage and somebody's wandering around, it means they miss the first few minutes of service. It means that they're confused. I mean, you, you could be, you know, you could be driving this person away and they've barely walked through the door. They're just looking for the restroom. Uh, so I think signage is a big factor, just even having it. Okay. That would be baseline is yes, we have it. That would be like minimum standard. An elevated standard would be, you know, it's got our logo, all the colors are consistent around the building, um, and it's easy to find your way around, you know. So th I would say that signage is, uh, well, it's definitely one of the first things that people would or wouldn't notice. That's really good. I think it just says that you're welcoming visitors, <laughs> you know, to, to let people know where the bathrooms are. There's a book called um, Made to Stick, and they talk about the, the curse of knowledge. The authors talk about that, how when you really know something well, it's really hard for you to kind of back up and, and tell somebody else about it. Um, sometimes right. when you're part of a church and have been part of a church for a long time, you forget what it's like to be new. So I think signage is just a right. really key component to saying, hey, we, we welcome new people to our, to our church. Right, exactly. We recognize that this could be your first time. And let's, uh, let's talk about bulletins or uh, just printed materials. But bulletins are kind of a big idea. First of all, should a church have a bulletin? Do you have an answer? I don't have a should answer. I would say that uh, I try to stay away from building piles of should. Um, so <laughs> what we try to do is help that church discover what's best for them. And, um, you know, there are some churches whose communication strategy would tank if they decided not to have a bulletin. And there are other churches who could save lots of volunteer hours, they could save paper, and they could save time in their communication team if they got rid of their bulletin. Uh, so I don't have a should or should answer, a should or shouldn't answer on that one. I think it's discovering what could be. So what could happen if we change to a smaller bulletin? What could happen if we change to a larger bulletin? What if what could happen if we gave more information in our bulletin or less information and pointed everybody to the website? So I think a could conversation is is really important uh, when when we're talking about what impression does that leave? Uh, again, I would say that the style of your bulletin needs to reflect the style of your church. And I would also say that your core values, even if they're not listed on your bulletin, could be really evident. So if one of your core values is missions, then maybe every week in your bulletin, you have a different mission that you support highlighted. If one of your core values is uh, a scripture, then every week in your bulletin, you might list the scriptures that pastor is going to use in his message, 
or you like might list a scripture of the week, or you might list a Bible reading guide that everybody in the church is going to read Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So I think your bulletin is an opportunity to drive home those values. Real good. We found that bulletins are kind of across the board in the different churches that we come across. Some people, that bulletin is a big part, like you're saying, of, of who they are. They might have notes on it, and they encourage, you know, take notes, um, or it's key, the big main communication thing that they use. Other churches, um, they might do uh, video announcements and then just rely on social media and the website to kind of take it from there. So, yeah, right. I, I, I agree with you. We haven't found a really good definite yes or no on bulletins. <laughs> But uh, it's it's whatever fits your culture, like you're saying, knowing your brand and uh, figuring out how to how to work with that. That was actually right. the question. I, I sent out an email earlier in the week, and uh, we got that question uh, a couple times uh, about bulletins. You know, should it be uh, part of a church or not? So, um, thanks for addressing that. The other thing, maybe just talk about decor in your facilities. Sure. So. Um... This one's interesting because, uh, you know, um, different people have similar styles. So if you happen to hire the same person who did the hospital, even though your decor might be nice and it could be an accurate representation of your church, if somebody walks into your church and goes, hmm, I kind of feel like I'm in a hospital, <laughs> that could be a negative thing. So, um, you know, you want to evaluate what does the decor say not only about who we are, but what kind of what kind of connections are people making in their mind when they see this style of decor? Um, from a really practical standpoint, you know, what if you could have uh, arrows in your foyer that point to the different missionaries around the world? So if you have a missionary who's straight east, 280 miles, you might have an arrow pointing straight east, and it says that missionary's name in 280 miles. I mean, if your value is scriptures, you might have scripture art in wall decals in your in your entranceway. Um, if your value is prayer or uh, prayer requests or testimonies, then maybe those are on rotating screens throughout your building. So what I'm getting at in all these areas is how do we give people the impression that we really truly believe our values and this is how we live them out? Yeah, environment is such a big, big uh, canvas that can be used to, to communicate vision. Um, I'm glad yeah. you address you address that. That's really good. Um, what about restrooms? Uh, talk about restrooms for a second. You you have a little section in in your book about restrooms. <laughs> yeah, I do have a very little section in the book about restrooms. Um, you know, it's awkward, but make sure they're clean. Make sure that the smell is appropriate. Check out how they're decorated. Um, make sure the ventilation is proper. You know, almost uh, almost everybody who might be looking to kill some time before service starts. Okay, they came to service ten minutes early because they're a visitor, and they're sitting in their seat awkwardly. Well, they, they decide they're going to get up and walk around for a few minutes. What are they going to do? Well, the only real logical place is, you know, go to the restroom and, you know, come back to when service is about to start. I mean, I think it's just one of those things that people are likely to use if they're uh, going to be in your building the first time, if they're coming in for a concert or a special event or an award ceremony, or they're coming in to see uh, their niece or uh, nephew sing or something like that. It just makes sense that that is part of the experience of your church. Uh, just make sure it represents you well. Yeah, Adam, I love that you um, you have that in your book. Just um, it's just about being intentional. You know, be be thinking about uh, guests, new people coming to your church, and be intentional about you know reaching out to right. them. Um, so I love that the, you mentioned you know just be be mindful of the the restrooms. <laughs> Um, right. So let's talk about an information center. I think every church has one. So can you unpack maybe mm -hmm. what the purpose of a good information center could do? Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, we probably all agree that an information center is to provide information. And if we leave it at that, we're we're missing a big opportunity. So, you know, some of the things we evaluate in the book is is the information center an active place where people could sign up for events or talk to a talk to somebody else, ask questions, 
or is it a passive place, you know, where they can get information they need? It's got information about all the different departments. It's got information about all the small groups, how to join a team, how to get involved, the missionaries we support. And which of those decisions was intentional? You know, is it we put some shelving on the wall and we started putting some brochures there? Are all of our missions grouped together? Uh, are all of our small groups information in the same spot? Can people sign up here? And if somebody wants more information and it's a passive center, how do they get more information? And if somebody's standing behind a desk and the person just needs information but doesn't really want to have a conversation about it, how does the person behind the desk handle that kind of situation? So again, not that a church should or shouldn't have an active or passive information center, but what does that look like and why do we make the decision to keep it the way it is? Yeah, very good. Um, and there's another area too that I think a lot of churches are addressing. In fact, we're working with a church that has been a very traditional church. They've been around for at least 60 years and they're trying to update their brand. Um, so they're thinking about adding a, a coffee area, just a, a place where people sure. can go get refreshments, hang out, uh, where you know relationships can develop. So um, what are what are your thoughts on um, those type of areas in your church uh, on refreshments? Yeah, so I guess you need to evaluate what is the purpose of that and how does that line up with your brand? So your brands, your core values, and how are we going to market the coffee house to reflect our core values? So if our core values are relationships, then maybe in the coffee shop, we're uh, doing, you know, we're playing light jazz music so people can have conversations while they're having their coffee. Uh, maybe that means we put lots of different places for people to sit down in groupings of four and six and not so many groupings of two so that people are having conversations in groups of four or six. Um, maybe the coffee spot represents, you know, if you have five different types of drinks, maybe each one of those represents a different mission and a dollar from every cup goes to that mission. So if you drink X number of, you know, dark roast coffees, we know that a uh, dollar from each of those is going to one missionary to support whatever's going on. Um, it depends what your values are, but I think there are opportunities to have those reflect. You know, even an idea is if you had, uh, if, if your value is uh, relationships, then maybe you don't give out disposable cups. Maybe you only give out mugs so people have to stick around to drink their coffee, right? Or if your value is to be a professional um, church, you know, with a, and you have a clean cut schedule, then maybe everything goes in a disposable cup so that anybody who wants can take it with them and leave. You don't even have to mess around with reusable mugs. Yeah, I love the whole practical nature of how you unpack, you know, if you have a vision that says this about your church and your core values, then that means you should apply it, you know, in, in these different ways in, in, in your church. So I think right. uh, the, a lot of times we miss that as churches. Um, we don't, we say we have a value, but then we don't follow through to say, how, how does that begin to look like to execute it in a very practical way? So it's consistent with what we say we are. So I love that about right. and, what you're saying. Yeah. And a lot of what we're talking about is outside of the actual service. So if you look at the amount of time we spend prepping for service, we make video bumpers and we make countdown videos. We have a two-hour worship rehearsal, and the pastor spends X number of hours every week preparing his message, and then we fire it off and we execute service perfectly, and then we say that we're going to send every available piece of financial, you know, every available dollar we're using to missions. That's our value. But when somebody goes out into the uh, the entrance way to get their coffee and donut, they've got high-end pastries for free and Starbucks coffee for free. It doesn't look then like all of your available resources are going to missions. It looks like a lot of our available resources went to buying expensive pastries and Starbucks coffee. Wow, that's really, really good. Um, I love that. Hopefully that helps our audience quite a bit um, in some of their decision makings, uh, just to understand. Uh, a lot of times I think the idea of branding 
or marketing or advertising. It's kind of this cloud idea uh, in, in many ways. Um, but uh, we need to understand that it's, it, it drives a lot of the practical things, the, the tangible things that people bump into within our services and our, just our church experience. It, it really drives a lot of that. Yeah, we consider our brands to be filters. So whenever we make a decision, we throw it through the filter. <laughs> you know, did it make it through that filter? Does it? Our, our four brands are um, uh, our four core values. I hate to say this because I don't, I, I don't want uh, somebody else to get the impression that these this is a right or wrong conversation. That these are the best four values. These are the best four values for Life Church in Fort Myers, Florida. Okay, so our four values are the presence of God, loving relationships team ministry, and multiplication. So when we make a decision, we throw it through those filters. You know, does it stick to one of those filters or is it inconsistent with any of those filters? And it's just about being intentional so that when somebody comes and experiences Life Church, they see a consistency through their entire experience that builds trust for them. So you've been, um, you've been at Life Church for about, how long you said about a year? Is that right? We moved here in February of 2015, but I did I did some consulting work for them before that. Okay, so maybe unpack. I, I you already did. Uh, you gave us some numbers, but what have been some of the actual results that you've seen in helping them implement uh, a lot of the the trust glue ideas? Sure. Well, in the last, uh, I'll give you some numbers, and then we can talk more about the specifics of how we made those happen. In the last 12 months, we've seen a 23 percent attendance growth. Um, and we've also, uh, seen about a 30% increase in giving. Um, and a lot of that has to do with how we consistently talk about our four core values of the presence of God, loving relationships, team ministry, and multiplication. Um, you know, some of the hands-on practical things that I've implemented since I got here, which I think contribute to those factors is we make sure that our values are a really consistent part of our conversation. So whether that's at a staff meeting, whether that's at, you know, our kids life team gets together and has a meeting, um, whether that's the ushers praying before service, we're always talking about our four core values so that those filters are always front and center when somebody's about to make a decision. Um, and, you know, we, we, we know that that's how we make a decision is based on our, our core values, how we're going to live this out. And then some practical things that we've been doing is we've been, uh, you know, sending out an, a weekly email newsletter that wasn't happening before I got here. And in that newsletter, we talk about what's coming up at Life Church. We talk about opportunities to sign up, but we do also like to highlight something that reflects our values. So we will highlight a testimony that reflects our values of loving, loving relationships with the presence of God. You know, somebody got healed of such and such. We'll put that in our email newsletter, obviously, with that person's permission. Or we'll put um, a, a positive report from one of our missionaries that is reaching people in Paris or Peru or Ukraine or Poland. Um, and so we, we also we try and keep that front and center. And another thing we've implemented is to, every time we do the announcements, one of the announcements reflects something that is happening as it relates to uh, one of our four core values. So that could be team ministry. We could be talking about, hey, our Kids Life team is growing. We're now starting a program for special needs students, and we need more people who are willing to help with that program. Or we could be talking about multiplication. Hey, we're really excited that our missionary in Peru has talked about the opportunity to plant another church or built a relationship with another pastor, or uh, they've seen an increase in growth in their attendance. We build that right into our process. Um, so our values are front and center. Very good. So um, what is the first thing? We've talked about a lot of ideas, and you've, yeah. you did a great job unpacking you know, what, what you've seen as a result of your, you working in the trenches. That's one of the things I, I love about what you're doing is that you're not, these are not just ideas. You're actually executing this stuff and see right. re results from it. So what is something that a church can do right now to kind of start building that trust glue where they're at? So I think the very, the very foundation of what people need to be considering when they're wanting to build trust glue 
is what are our core values. And um, if your church doesn't have that in place, then that process really needs to be started. Because until you know who God has called you to be, it's, it's impossible to live out how God is, who God has called you to be. Right? So um, I'll give you a real-life practical example. When we got the opportunity to move to Life Church in Fort Myers, Florida, we knew that we were moving to Life Church in Fort Myers, Florida. So we started looking for houses in, life, in uh, Fort Myers, Florida. We didn't start looking for houses in California or New York or Connecticut because we knew what the end result was and, and we were clear about how to get there. Um, when we packed up the moving truck, I punched into the GPS, Fort Myers, Florida, because I knew where I was going. But if Life Church had just offered us a position but never told us where their geographical location is, how would we know how we're going to get there? It's impossible to create a marketing experience if you don't know what you want that experience to drive home, if you don't know the values of what you want that experience to represent. So I would say the very baseline conversation needs to be, what are your church's core values? And part of that conversation is going to be determining which one of those values is your primary value. You know, if you have to make a decision, at the end of the day, what is the one factor that every decision has to has to get through that filter. So that would be starting. And then once you've made those decisions, then you can implement some of the ideas in, uh, in the ebook about how do we create an experience that people can recognize that branding. Excellent. Um, well, so you've got the blog, it's called, um, churchmarketingideas.com. And right. on that blog, you, you share a lot of the, just the, the practical things that, um, you've learned um, through execution at, at your church. I guess, wh why don't you tell me in your own words, what, what is the idea behind your blog? Well, the idea behind the blog is really to create an opportunity for other people who are going through the same conversations as I'm going through to make some decisions uh, quicker than I was able to make them. <laughs> so, you know, if it took me three weeks to figure out, you know, what what is the real, real purpose of our parking lot team? Well, you can find that on the blog in three minutes. So my hope is to be able to create a resource that speeds up the next person's process. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to be smarter than everybody else is definitely not the case. Uh, I'm not trying to say, here's what I know that you don't know. What I'm saying is we all are going to have to cross this bridge. I spent this amount of time crossing it. Here's the information I learned start use that as a starting point let me push let me push you forward let me put push the body of christ forward through individual churches really realizing who god's called them to be and finding ways to live that out to impact people well well thanks again adam for your time for coming on the podcast and we'll catch up with you here in a little while but but um thanks for doing this podcast with us um and, and spend some time with the audience sounds good thank you very much for having me you can connect with Adam on his website at churchmarketingideas.com. The book is also available there. It's called uh, Trust Glue. You can also get it on our blog, churchbrandguide.com. You can get a link to it on this episode. This is episode 26. So if you want to go there and get the book, there's a link right there you can uh, click on, as well as the show notes from today's episode. So I want to encourage you to check out the show notes if uh, that's something that you find helpful. Um, hopefully that's a resource you can use and always go back to on churchbrandguide.com. I'm really excited about Church Marketing University. This is a way for you to have a marketing coach for your church. Most of the uh, university is made up of videos that are very in-depth and in detail with download documents that you can have to help you out. But there's also a question and answer section where you can ask specific questions that you have for your church and get replies. So it's a, it's a wonderful coaching uh, uh, resource that you can have for your church. And, and I'm very excited about what, what's in there uh, for your church to help you grow. So you can go to our website, churchbrandguide.com, and click on the affiliate link that we have there on our site. And that'll take you right to a page where you can get Church Marketing University for your church. So make sure you check that out. At least take a look at it, a good long look at it. 
there's a very short window where they open that up for, for, for being able to purchase it. So right now is the time to do it or else in a few days that window is going to close and you won't be able to get it for, for quite some time. Um, that's because mainly they, they update that. They always update it and then release new information. So once you buy it, it's, uh, it's something that's going to be updated for you and you'll have new information um, and you'll always have access to it. You'll always have access once you get it the first time. The resource I want to leave with you today is a book called The Leadership Challenge. This book uh, really pokes at the idea of reinventing yourself from time to time and always be asking, you know, is there a better way to do this? And really, that's what marketing is about. It's about changing the way you do things, the, the, the tactics, so that you can reach more people. It should always be changing, always be adjusting. If you're doing the same thing that you were doing five years ago, you're probably not as effective as you need to be in reaching people. So you always have to be adjusting. This book is um, a wonderful resource to help you get into the mindset of what it takes to reach people. So again, it's called the Leadership Challenge. It's been around for a long time and it's been a resource that's been a like a number one bestseller for quite a while. So really, really good book. Um, I highly recommend it, especially in the marketing field. So you can always have that mindset to be shifting and changing and adjusting to, to do what works. We love hearing from you here at churchbrandguide.com. So we, we appreciate your feedback. Um, we've gotten some questions that have been great for us to just get back with you on regarding branding or marketing or design. Uh, we even had a church planter reply to, to say, hey, I need some help knowing what I need to do to, to, to plant my church. So we, we love those type of questions. Reach out to us with an email. Uh, you can send a reply to our email that we sent to you or email me directly at michael at .com. You can also leave a comment on our episodes. Uh, this is episode 26. Feel free to leave a comment on that page. We'll get back with you. And we love, love, love hearing your replies, comments, and um, just want to get back with you and communicate with you on that. You can also see us on Facebook. Our Facebook page is available, Church Brand Guide on Facebook, and uh, you can reach out to us there as well. Well, thanks again for joining us today on the podcast, and I'll see you next time.